It's the Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by ANZ Home Loans for financial well-beings. And welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Breakfast for 2023, available every morning on iHeartRadio, Spotify and Apple, and of course, wherever you get your good podcast from. It is Sunday the 5th of March for 2023. Our weekend continues around Australia. I hope it's a good one at your place. Coming up this morning, we have seven days of Australian real estate when we look back over some of the interviews, including our talk to Debbie Brittner from Ray White about Berwick in Melbourne, about the local property market there. And we also talk to Lauren Robinson from Rental Results in Brisbane about how to successfully engage with the right rental management company. This is once you've bought that investment property. So important. We also spoke to Catherine Skinner, your local property buyer in Adelaide, about the current Adelaide market conditions, including the boom of the area with soaring property prices and investor rental returns, which are running red hot. We also spoke to PRD Chief Economist Asti Mariasmo about the low housing supply and some of the findings from her report that has just been released. And we spoke to Angie Roberts from My Hobart Home in Hobart about the current market there, the general mood of the investors and what to expect out of Hobart and probably Tasmania for 2023. So that is all coming up. It's your weekend real estate podcast. And if you're celebrating your birthday for today, the 5th of March for 2023, happy birthday to you. And just the one celebrity, Eva Mendez. She is turning 49, the American actor. I think she's also a bit of a fashion designer. And isn't she dating or is she married to Ryan Gosling? That I'm not too sure about. I think she might be. But if I've got that wrong, sorry, Ryan, you probably want to be married to Eva Mendes, one of the most beautiful women on the planet. We are just as addicted to property as you are. The Real Estate Podcast. It's the main centre forecast. All right, let's have a look at your weather around the country. Sydney, good morning to you. Expecting mainly fine, sunny skies today, a high of 28 degrees. In Melbourne, a mostly fine day, a little bit of a late shower possibility with 32, so it's going to be nice and warm. In Brisbane, a fine day, some cloud expected with 29. And look at Perth, it's got to be the best conditions, blue sky with sunshine and 28 today. Enjoy your morning coffee. It's your real estate weekend podcast in review. And Berwick tends to weather very well because of all the things that I just mentioned. It's very sought after because of the private schools, the lifestyle and everything's here. Everything. So people don't need to go to the city as much as they used to. They've got everything here in, in Berwick. So we feather very well. So the prices don't tend to take such a hard hit as, uh, as far as some other suburbs probably do when, when outside influences hit hard, like interest rate hikes. And what about sort of value, like the median house price and perhaps you could give us a price on the units, the apartments. Are you able to tell us a little bit about that this morning? 
Yes, certainly. So that's the other interesting thing about Berwick. It's quite diverse. We have $9 million properties in Berwick and then we have $600,000 townhouses. There's the north and the south of Berwick and um, the prices differ quite differently. But the median price is probably around that 900 now to 950 range, I'd be suggesting. But again, um, the first home buyers can still come into Berwick very comfortably and purchase their first home. And then we've got people that are onto their third, fourth or fifth home that go on to acreages that are on the north of Berwick as well. And then obviously they could be anywhere from one and a half million up to five, six, seven million, eight million, nine million, whatever the property may be. Yeah, and just sticking with those first-home buyers, the rising interest rates, the serviceability constraints, it's a big talking point. So what sort of conversations or observations have you got in that space around serviceability? Yeah, look, we're having some really good, solid feedback, positive feedback, more to the point, from our first home buyers. I think our first home buyers have managed to um, save larger deposits than what they probably thought they ever would have. And they've both got good, if they've both got good, strong income streams, then they're sitting in, in the right position to be able to purchase now. And they're confident that they can ride this wave out with, with the interest rate hikes predicted um, until they see the cash rate fall and things settle down next year. So all in all, the confidence out here is is quite strong. So for any investor that is having a listen right now, Debbie, and thinking, ah, Berwick, that could be a bit of a potential area. Give me one reason. What, what's your number one reason for an investment purchase to buy from Berwick would be this morning? Growth. Berwick has a very stable growth rate all in all um, across the board over a 10-year period. So it's never, as I said before, when we've had all different issues over years, you know, of interest rate hikes or other other commodities that come into play. And Berwick always has a, a, a growth every couple of years substantially, a very sought after for rent. The rent achieved out here in Berwick is extremely high compared to some suburbs, surrounding suburbs. So from an investor's point of view, not only do they get the higher rent, they also get that uplift in the valuation very quickly. It's your Real Estate Weekend podcast in review. Once you have bought an investment property, then comes the tricky part of selecting a property manager. And sometimes that is not an easy process to go through. Some people should really be quantifying who they're selecting to look after their investment property. And in order to do that, they really need to be asking the right questions and finding out just who they are dealing with in the first place. I mean, that's the thing. I think everyone knows, especially if you're an investor and you've had a bad experience before, that a good property manager can make or break that investment. Often when as a as a, a property manager, the, one of the first questions we get asked by investors is what are the fees? And I think that often comes back to the fact that the owners think that's a question that they should be asking and perhaps that's what how they should differentiate different property management companies. But really, there's so much more that goes into that decision than purely fees. And I think we all know the difference between, you know, 1% difference is such a minor factor when it comes to choosing who's going to be managing that investment for the long term. 
So some of the questions that I'd be asking is about the officer's systems and processes. So it's really important to make sure that a great property manager has technology and a lot of support around them to be able to offer that high level of service. So, and also what sort of guarantees does that agency offer? So one of the reasons that we see often see owners changing agents is because of poor communication or the fact that their property manager is not responsive or getting back to them. And I think that's a, that's a really a pain point for a lot of landlords, but also having market knowledge. So a property manager who not only knows the market, but understands the demographic of tenant that's likely to rent that property understanding what the tenants are actually looking for in that investment and then ways to increase that rental return because it's not just about finding a tenant at the beginning that's going to look after the property. It's how are they actually going to be able to increase that rental return and manage that investment for the long term to get the most out of that that rental property. And you mentioned poor communication. It's interesting that people in the game of property management, you would think that there is good communication, but that's not always the case. Sometimes that can be lacking, which begs the question how some of these property managers are finding clients in the first place. And it's probably more likely to happen to first-time investors. And maybe, maybe just possibly they're not asking the right questions. They're just diving in too quickly. Oh, definitely. And I think as a, you know, if you are a first time investor, you may think that all property managers offer the same level of service. And perhaps you may also think that you'll just go with the agency who sold the property to you, whether, and, and it might be that just the easiest option as opposed to really interviewing and doing your research. But I think often a investor will meet a business development manager as opposed to, you know, the actual property manager. I guess their job is to sell the business and the property management services as opposed to the person who's actually going to be having the relationship with both yourself and the tenant. So having good communication as a property manager is imperative to the success of the investment because they're going to be communicating both with yourself as well as the tenants, negotiating and really managing that investment to make sure it performs. It's your Real Estate Weekend Podcast in Review. How would you sum up to our listeners the Adelaide property market between those years of 2020 to 2023? So the Adelaide property market across those three years went absolutely crazy beyond anybody here's wildest dreams. There were many points throughout those three years that we genuinely felt we were close to the top of the market and then it continued to go and go. So as more and more people decided to leave a lot of the eastern states throughout the COVID pandemic, we saw a huge influx of relocators moving back to Adelaide for the extra space, the lifestyle and what they could achieve. So all of this extra pressure being put on the market by these prospective purchases, whether they be the investors or those relocators, meant that the low stock levels, anything that was of a good quality, just went absolutely crazy. Yeah, no doubt about it. If, if you're looking for a little bit more space, people have certainly flocked into Adelaide. So let's have a look at that all-important extra money having to be found for mortgage repayments. So what have you noticed regarding interest rate rises across all areas of the market there in Adelaide? And, and what are you expecting in the year ahead? 
So look, in terms of home buyers, I feel as though people are being somewhat conservative and they're actually factoring in what these rate rises may be and really having to think carefully about what they can comfortably afford to spend. So while seeing that the homeowners are feeling the pinch and being more considerate, in terms of investors, there is no slowdown on or on their aggressive strategies in terms of budgets and what they might be able to achieve in terms of rental yield, which is safeguarding them from them those rate rises for the remainder of the year. All right, and if we look at places like a Perth and investors buying up there in their droves, but not to be outdone, investors are still flocking into Adelaide despite the rate rises, and it seems like the grass is greener in Adelaide. Do you expect that that is likely to continue through 2023? Well, so far, the first two months of the year, we have still been seeing a really high level of inquiry coming through for investors looking to purchase here in Adelaide. Now, budgets may be slightly changing to accommodate extra interest rate rises, but those high rental yields are still going to offer the added security that people are looking for right now, where there is that level of uncertainty as to where the rate rises may end up by the end of the year. Enjoy your morning coffee. It's your real estate weekend podcast in review. Angie, you deal with a lot of these mainland buyers coming in. So how is their expectation at the moment in 2023, the ones that you're interacting with, how's that all sort of playing out? Yeah, look, I think they probably expected to see a more noticeable downturn in prices. There is certainly in some, you know, I'd say at the bottom end, you know, that sort of first home buyer end and also the top end sort of two million plus in Hobart, there has been certainly a noticeable discounting in what properties are achieving. I still think, yeah, the the mainland buyers, because they've really borne the brunt of it in cities like Melbourne and Sydney, they are expecting that same level of decline or the same visibility in Hobart. And it is there. We still need to look for value. Um, We still need to be patient, despite listing numbers being well up on previous years. There is still limited quality stock, I guess. And and when those good properties come up and you tend to find a lot of the mainland buyers are looking for something similar, they're looking for, you know, the Federation house that's full of character yet fully renovated, you know, with views of the city and the Derwent River and all of those things. There's a lot of buyers that are looking for that. And is there a bit of a a headspace that people have to sort of play with a little bit, sort of like buying into Hobart from the mainland? Well, a lot of the time they've visited Hobart, but only for short periods of time and only as a tourist. So there's definitely an education process, understanding what they're trying to achieve from the move um, and the lifestyle that they want to, you know, they want to gain by the move. Look, more, more often than not, it is those inner city suburbs. That, it's the ones that still offer walkability down to Salamanca or, you know, the waterfront and, and cafes, but that connectivity to nature as well. So it's really kind of an education process, honing in on what they're looking for and where are we most likely to find a property that offers those attributes. It's your Real Estate Weekend podcast in review. And what about build to rent? I mean, this is something that you looked at in the report. So how does that work as a potential solution for the housing supply problem? 
Build to Rent allows you to rent that particular apartment or that particular house for a longer period of time. It gives that person more security in tenure. Their lease is not always up every 12 months. Build to Rent is something that has been used in a lot of different countries, the UK, um, the USA, and the way that it does add to housing supply is in two ways. You can have a stacked Build to Rent, which is um, apartments. That particular Build to Rent will add anywhere between 200 to 300 apartments at a time or you can have the US style which is your family built to rent. It's basically small houses, two to three bedrooms, sometimes four. When they say um, they're building 200 built to rents in the USA, more often than not it's 200 little mini homes. There are some pilot projects in Queensland, more projects in New South Wales and Victoria. But however, in Australia, we've only done the stacked apartment model of build to rent. And a lot of the build to rent is still very much so either studio or one bedroom apartments, which means that it doesn't fit with every single demographic. Whereas the other styles of build to rent that is adopted in different countries has either bigger apartments or small homes next to each other. We connect you to the best real estate information across Australia. The Real Estate Podcast.